Greetings, everyone. All over the world and in the sanctuary, we greet all of you today. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and we what we will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, we've gathered here once again for worship, worship of the only true and living God. We come to give God glory. We come to lift up the name of God's Son and Holy Spirit. And oh Lord, as we come, prepare our hearts, our souls, and our spirits as we join in praise and worship unto your name. We welcome again our minister of music and her wonderful husband, and we ask that Sister Hope Carr and Brother Carr, that they both come now to take us into a holy place. Let the church say amen and give God glory. Praise the Lord, everybody. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. If you're able, come on and stand to your feet. We want to give God some praise this morning. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. Come on and say that. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, I'm in love with you, Jesus. With all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, I love you, Lord. With all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, I love you, Lord. I'm in love with you, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you, I am. I'm in love with you, Lord. I'm in love with you, Jesus. With all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, I love you, Lord. With all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, I love you, Lord. One more time. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. All of my heart, with all of my soul. All of my heart, with all of my soul. With all of my heart, with all of my soul. With all of my heart, with all of my soul. If you love them, say yeah, yes, say yes, yes, say yes. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Say 
love with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. How many love the Lord this morning? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Lord, we love you this morning. We praise you this morning. We thank you for being God all by yourself. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your house and worship you. Thank you that you met us here this morning with your presence, Father. And we just thank you for another opportunity to lift our hands and to lift our voice and to tell you thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you just for being an awesome God. Because of who you are, we love you. We give you praise, Father. And we just ask you to bless this service on this day. Bless our pastor as she brings forth the word. Bless us. Let us not be hearers but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. How many know that you are already victorious? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what situation you're facing, God has already won the victory. So we just want to rejoice in him this morning, for he has won the victory.
on and give a victorious praise this morning. If you know he already won the victory on your behalf, oh, we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. He's already won the victory. As we gather this morning to hear a word today about the church, uh, we cannot ignore the news that Christians are in trouble today. The church is going through so many things. And so we want to see what happens because there's nothing new under the sun. The church has always gone through periods of trouble. Christians in, in trouble. I want to uh, congratulate my son in the ministry, Elder Cedric Bridgeford, for being elected a, a bishop on this week of our church. We will keep him in prayer. Come with us now to 2 Corinthians and the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians, I'm so sorry, 2 Thessalonians. In the back of the New Testament, if you having trouble finding it, please use the index, get the number page, somebody say amen. Amen, amen. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses three through eight. And I ask now, won't you stand out of reverence for the reading of God's holy, holy word. If you're able, if you're able, if you're not, just listen. Listen now for the word of the Lord. We must always give thanks to God for you. That is Pastor Paul talking to the beginning of a new church called the church in Thessalonica. He says, we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters as is right. Well, why? Because your faith, your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and your faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God and it is intended to make you worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. For it is indeed just of God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief 
to the afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. And won't you pray with and for me now? Almighty God, sovereign God, the God who does things his way, <laughs> the God whose thoughts are not our thoughts, whose ways are not our ways, he does things his way. And Lord, we ask that you open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our spirits to hear your word, to discern your movement, and to know you in this present day and time. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Please allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord. For you, you are my strength. And you are my redeemer. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let the church say amen. Smile this morning. Say, Christians in trouble. Beloved, if you look around today, not only is the world in trouble, but whenever the church is in trouble, so is the world. But we're going to look into a church today that gives us a model of how God would have his church to be. Beloved ones, we're going to take an imaginary trip back in time and cross the sea to a seaport city at the southern end of Greece called Corinth. And we want to look in upon the living room of a Christian couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla was the wife, Aquila was the husband. And what we know is that in that day, if a woman's name came before her husband's name, she was very significant. They were both new Christians. And many today will use them as an example of a clergy couple. We find 
we find Priscilla and Aquila entertaining three people in their home, three people who were tired, busted, weary, and disgusted. Three Christian men, they all looked as if they had undergone some very, very, very trying hard times. One of the men was Paul the Apostle. The youngest is a man in his late mid-twenties named Timothy. Timothy had been a protege or a spiritual son of, of Paul since they are meeting one another in, in Lystra. The other man was named Silas. Silas had been an armor bearer for the apostle Paul and his personal secretary since the beginning of Paul's ministry. These three men, these three Pastor Paul, lay person Silas, and young Pastor Timothy. <laughs> they had been abused, used, hurt, beaten, literally talked about, tested and tried. And at this moment in time, see, that's what we need to be looking at today. <laughs> Not so much yesterday, that's over and gone, nothing we can do about it. In this moment and time. They felt at their rope's end. It's just, it's not always easy <laughs> being a real Christian. Not always easy. Therefore, Pastor Paul, layperson Silas, and Pastor Timothy settled in the house of Priscilla and Aquila with a heavy burden up on their Souls. They, they came with a great concern over the uncertain situation of a young fledging church in Thessalonica. More than uncertain, it was a bad situation. We're looking at churches today who are in bad situations. Churches closing by great numbers every day. They were more than uncertain, and they did not know if this church could last. The church was what we call uh, in our denomination a new church start, one of the most difficult things. Uh, that you can do a, a new church start in 2022, a new <laughs> church start. Having been founded only for just a few weeks, and it was founded in a hostile environment, you see, since their beginning, this church had been under intense, severe attack by those people in Thessalonica who opposed the start of this new movement in their city called Christianity. And here in America, we have become a mission country. For in the last 50 years, 
we have seen the greatest decline in this country of Christianity. Oh, child of God, the truth is that Christians have always had to face severe opposition from those who wish to preserve the status quo or follow in the new ways of the world instead of the words of the word. Jesus himself faced all kinds of opposition and religious, political, and social opposition. So Paul the apostle faced all sorts of opposition too. The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, pastor and laity, forced trouble and opposition too. How fragile has the church become today that if it's not our way, and if it's not the way it used to be, even if it's God's new way, we don't like it. And people leave. For so many reasons, it's unbelievable. Our biggest test has been COVID. Because one thing I want you to understand, beloved, if you say you're a Christian, if you say you're a Christian, God will test you before he can pass you to the next grade like a teacher God will test us as you say you're a Christian I need some evidence that you are oh my beloved we too will face opposition today and therefore we have to make up our mind and our hearts and our inner spirits to face trouble and trials and pain. But we face it with a Christian attitude. We face it different than the world faces it. In fact, we face it so different that the world will see us and go, I want what you got. How can you go through this with it? What you got that I don't have? And all you have to say is one word, and that word is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. We have to make up our mind and our hearts and our inner spirits to face the reality of the day. So as Christians, what we're going through to do in the face of trouble and hard times God is watching, and God is evaluating. Because nobody has to really be watched when everything's fine. <laughs> oh, but how do we act when change comes? Maybe I can suggest that we just learn how to stand on the word of God. And yet so many Christians aren't just biblically illiterate today. They, they know more or they think they do about how to be a Methodist. That changes every single day. <laughs> they more important to them than it is knowing the word of God. One of the frustrations I have is talking to people today and I'm coming from the word and they coming from the world and it's just a collision. 
I remember when I used to think I knew the word of God and I didn't. <laughs> so they focused in on saving this church. That's what our job, that's what our desire, that's what our mission is to save the church. We need more Christians like that. So they gathered in Corinth in the house of Priscilla and Aquila to plan their strategy. See, there has to be a, a strategy. Uh, there, there has to be some changes made. Listen, they didn't gather in a church building because they didn't have one yet. We have people who stopped coming to church because the building was closed down. They failed their test. Because why God's house is important. The New Testament reminds us that the church is in us. That our body is the temple of God. And God says, while you are going to just treat people anyway, while you are not going to grow and be healthy, while you are just going to want to show off in my church, I'll close it. Because it's not about you. It's all about me, God says. And don't think that God, you know, we're not, we don't have a fear of God anymore, but I'm going to just tell you something. The only person in the whole world that I fear the most is not people. I don't fear none of y'all. I fear, I fear God. I reverence God. I'm concerned about what God will say to me in the end. And so I want to follow his word. Or maybe the church had been closed for some reason. Yeah, God's watching. So they became what we have become today in many ways. They became the church in a house. Do you know that's how Christian church started? Not in a church building, but in a house. We know something about that because we too have experienced the church building closing. But we responded to new doors that God opened for us together in our homes for worship. You see, we have become a virtual society, and whether you want to move with it or not, that's what it is. And internet and all of this technology that we had was filled with so much stuff that God can take our stuff and infiltrate it. And that's what he's done today. Oh, there's no excuse. Churches everywhere, all over the internet. You can go to church on the internet. You can go to listen to it on podcasts in your car. There's no excuse today for not worshiping God. When you tell God if you can't worship anywhere but in the church house, he's going to have a problem with that. So if an earthquake comes and the church falls down, what you going to do? Say, I can't worship because the church door ain't open. Come on, come on. 
God has opened ways because our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ by any means possible. And we have thousands of people watching us today. Who we got about a hundred and something, this is last year, in Egypt. God have mercy, I'm going, Lord have mercy. Don't play with God. He will hold us responsible for not reaching people when he had to come in and do it himself. And so I'm thankful that here at Pocoma First, we became one of the first churches to move with God and buy the necessary equipment to go online. You know what? I'm old in age. But the thing is, I just want to be where God is. And God flows. You know, the Holy Spirit flows. One day it's like this, the next day it's like this. and All he wants to know is, Lydia Walsh, you going to keep up with me? I don't care how old you are. Are you going to keep up with me? You have no idea of the things I've had to learn. That's why I had to have some young people. Because my mind's not what it used to be. Uh, but my spirit is healthy. And so, we responded to new doors that God opened for us together in our homes for worship. Or we gathered on Zoom, on the internet, or listened on podcasts. They didn't have a church building, but that did not stop them from worshiping the Lord together. They gathered at the home of some new Christians for worship and strategy to save the church in Thessalonica. Every church I pastored was on the closed list when they sent me. And I promised God that with his help, I would leave a church much better than I found it. Glory to God. And you know what? You know what they did in this house? In this house? <laughs> First, they bowed their heads in prayer. And they thanked God for the grace that had brought them safe thus far. They knew that the only way they could overcome the present crisis is with the help of Almighty God. Oh, beloved, let me tell you something. Going through a crisis ought to teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to pray. You better know that folk during the COVID were watching out, looking out, and trying to find God. And then after praying, the prayer was open for, the floor was open for discussion. And while they talked, they also listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there were many reasons not to send Pastor Paul and Silas back to this new church in trouble among them was the fact that Pastor Paul and his helper, Silas, were both getting older. And they were tired. And let me just inject this right here. Today, people don't want to be called old. It's such a tragedy. Talking about I'm a young 80. I, I'm, I'm an old. And people need to learn to respect elders. See what I mean? The, the, 
It's just crazy. Respect the elders. And so when I say, oh, I'm so tired, then I know the young people come back with, that's okay, Pastor, I'm tired too. Now, now I know they're trying to help me out, but I'm not the same tired you are, young people. And you know how I know? Because I've been your age. I've been where you are. I told my granddaughter the other day. She said, I'm so tired. I said, child, when I was your age, I thought I could change the world. Oh, I know you get tired. We all get tired. Humans get tired. But when you get old, it's a different kind of tired. I've been on those other, I haven't been in this place before. This is a new place for me to be. You can't understand 80 until you are 80. But you can respect those who will tell you some things so when you get there, you can go, oh, my grandmama told me that's the way 80 is. Expect some things to be different because you're a different age. So I just told the team, y'all watch over me now because my mind is just, I'm telling you, the doctor told me the other day because I, I passed my Alzheimer's test. Give God a praise. I don't have it, but I'm old. My doctor said, you got to adjust to being older. Get used to it. Start laughing about it. So now when I wake up in the morning and start on my way like I am just going all over the place and doing things, and then I remember later say, where are my glasses? Now look at this. I can't see. I've never lost my glasses. I've been wearing glasses since the fourth grade. You know why? I, I, the first thing I put on was my glasses because I can't see. But now, I don't know, maybe I can. I don't know. I be walking all around doing things, I ain't got my glasses on. I say, God, are you doing something new? Can I see? Then I go to the eye doctor and they say, no, you got cataracts, they gotta come out. I'm just laughing at it. And I'm thankful to God that I can still serve him at this age, and I can still move with him wherever he goes, walking in a wheelchair. God, I'm going with you wherever you go. Paul and Silas were getting older, and like me, they knew that it was time to just sit down. And so they looked at young Timothy that Paul had brought under wing. I have four children that I have ministered into ministry. All pastors ought to have some people. So they were looking at, at Timothy because Timothy was young. But they knew that Timothy needed some advice from them because they were going to let Timothy go and be the pastor of a new church start. 
And so they all turned to the someone in the group who was young and strong and quick and just as committed to the faith as they were. They needed someone full of youthful energy and stamina to make that journey back to Thessalonica. Therefore, all eyes turned to Timothy. The Bible says Timothy, the son of Eunice. Oh, the Bible teaches us that Pastor Timothy was taught the Bible and about the church by his mother, Eunice. Timothy was a young man who was obedient to God and the elders, and so he went back filled with the Holy Spirit to do the work that he could do to strengthen the church in Thessalonica. Oh, we need to be looking, seeking young people in the church today. Listen to this, listen to this. When young Pastor Timothy arrived in Thessalonica, he expected to find people scattered. He expected to find people at home. He expected to find people upset. He expected to find most of them had left this little New church start, oh, oh, but the Bible says they were so proud of them that they boasted about them. Every pastor loves to boast about the church they pastor, like people like to boast about their successful children. They boasted, listen, listen, he didn't find a scattered, depressed church. He didn't find a broken, discouraged congregation. Instead, he found a church that was holding on. He found a church that was standing up. He found a church that stayed together, and they were diligently laboring in love. Look at this. It seemed that the more opposition they faced, the stronger in the spirit of God that they became. Mm. It's when things are not going our way that God will test us. <laughs> now, this is the sign of a church in which the spirit of God dwells both in the building and in the people. So you can have a beautiful church, but the people in the church ain't saved, sanctified, and, and have the Holy Ghost. God's not impressed. When the Holy Spirit is ripe in each of us, then wherever we go or whatever is happening to us, we take the Spirit of God with us because our bodies are the temple of God. When the Holy Spirit lives in us, then and only then, the more we are pressed back, the stronger we stream back. The stronger we stream back, the more persecuted we are, the more powerful we become. Like Pastor Paul said, we are afflicted in every way, but are we not crushed? We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because we are Christians. Yes, we keep on keeping on. So Pastor Timothy returned with good news. And they all just rejoiced. Pastor Paul said to Silas, quick, bring me a pen and some paper. And the elder Paul wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica. In fact, he wrote two letters. He said, when you are steadfast. Now, he could have just said that. When you steadfast, you're okay with that. He said, when you are steadfast 
in your suffering, when you are steadfast and being persecuted, when you are standing and experience affliction, your steadfasting affliction, your experiencing afflictions, your, your pain, your hurt, your sorrow, then the Bible says that's evidence Evidence that God has found you worthy of the kingdom of God, which means everybody ain't going to go. When God sees you go through things, it's evidence to him that you're worthy of the kingdom of God. They pass their test. Say, pass your test. In other words, we can't just say we Christians. We have to also show evidence that we are. We can't just have our name on the church roll. We have to show some evidence in the way we live that we are Christians. Oh, the new church at Thessalonica's faith in God and their obedience to God was the evidence. Their patience with the, was the evidence. Their, their endurance was the evidence. Their ability to adapt to adapt to change and to make a way out of no way was the evidence that God needed to see. God needed to see their faith working in spite of trouble, in spite of the trial, in spite of tribulations, in spite of what they were going through. You see, faith without works is dead. God is always testing our faith in him so that we can show God how much we know him and how strong our faith in him is so that we can have a place in the kingdom of God. The question this morning is, what is God going to say about each of us? You know, we like to look at everybody else, talk about everybody else. It's time to look at yourself because <laughs> you can't change nobody but yourself. <laughs> And when you, when you face God, he ain't going to ask you about nobody else but yourself. Yourself. I, that excites me because it's easier to change myself than to change somebody else. Oh, how strong. God can't say well done if you ain't done nothing. And some people say, I'm good. Yeah, you good. You good for nothing. There are people today that you'd COVID at an excuse not to worship, and worship is available everywhere. Don't you know that to be right with God will often mean to be in trouble with people? <laughs> Don't be so tied up with people. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Some churches are not even churches. they just little clubs and cliques. They ain't a church. And listen, trouble doesn't care whether you are rich or poor, black, brown, yellow, red, or white. Trouble doesn't care how old you are, how young you are. Trouble doesn't care whether you're good or bad. Trouble doesn't care who you are. It rains on the just and the unjust. But oh, my beloved. I came to tell you something today. I came to tell you 
that no matter where you find yourself, this is still the day that the Lord has made. And this is still the day that I can rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, we need to get ourselves together. I told a young person the other day, I said, you know, you need to find a pastor. And they said, well, I read the Bible, pastor. I said, yeah, but you can't heal without a preacher. And you want to know why I tell you that? Because that's what the Bible says. Let me tell you something, Christians. When we find ourselves in trouble, say it again, we need to react to trouble differently. You know why? Because it's not us reacting. The God within us says no weapon formed against us will prosper. The God within us says when the devil is messing with us, the devil, I'm telling you, if the devil ain't messing with you, that means one or two things. He either already got you or he don't want you. Ooh. The devil has the world. His cool now is the church. And he's running rampant in the church today. Seeking out those he can destroy. And so we need to react to everything and everybody with faith in and God and we learn and we know that we know that we know to stand stand not on my experience not, not on my education stand not on me at all but stand on the solid rock the world can be shaking Things can be falling apart, but there is a solid rock. A solid rock. The songwriter says it like this. He says, stand, Christians. Stand. When there's nothing else to do, What do we do? We just stand. And after we stand, we, we just watch the Lord be still and know that God is God. We watch the Lord bring us through. But this is what I like about this song. It says, after you've done This song say, just don't stand there and lay on the bed, don't. After you've done all that you can. After you've prayed and cried. After you've worked and worked. After you've done all that you can. Then. And only then, then, you just stand. 
Christians don't run. They don't fail out the ball out. They don't give up. Christians don't get mad. They don't worry. They don't hide. They work. And they stand. What do you do when you've done all you can? It seems like never enough and what do you say when your friends turn away you're all alone you're all alone all alone tell me what do you give what do you give when you've given your all and it seems like you can't make it through. Well, you just stand when there is nothing left to do. You just stand. Watch the Lord see you through. After you've done all you that you you just Stand. You just stand. Just stand. Tell me, how do you handle, how do you handle the, guilt of, your the past? guilt of your past? Tell me, how, Tell me how do you deal with the shame? And how do you smile when your heart has been broken and filled with pain? What do you give when you've given your all? And it seems like you can't make it through. Child, you just stand when there is nothing left to do. You just stand. Watch the Lord see you through. It's after you've done all you can. After, after you've done all you can, after you've done all you can,
help us to love everybody. Everybody. And we will forever be obedient to your word and praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand, please. So many things we have today to be thankful for. Oh, praise your name, Lord. So many things today we have to be thankful for. And so the Lord asks that we never forget what he's done. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not all about us. Because if you seek him first, all of the things will just fall into place. And so we ask today that you not forget. For God so loved the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting you to join me now in our communion. Communion is a time in the Christian church when we remember what God has done by lifting up the symbols of his body and his blood. And in taking it into our very body and our blood to be one with him and like him. Let us pray together the prayer Jesus taught us our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Jesus invites us, come to me, all ye that are weary 
and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We invite you now to spiritually unite with all of the members of Pacoma First United Methodist Church and with all of the saints of the church in heaven and on earth and partake of the Lord's Supper that has been consecrated by me. According to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took bread. He took bread and he broke it. He took the juice and he that he shed on our behalf. And according to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord was at table, then their eyes were opened and they worshiped him. Now you will take the cup. This is the body of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, broken for you. This is the blood of Jesus Christ, the hope, the cup of salvation, shed for you and for many. Now let us pray, oh God, we thank you. that through your word and this holy communion that you have given us your son who is the true bread from heaven the true food of eternal life we lift up to you this day all of our joys and concerns in our heart so Lord we ask you to strengthen us in your service that our daily living may show our thanks as evidence of our love for you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let the church say, Amen. We invite you to stand. Let the church.
say to you, thank you for being in the worship service of our God this day. And I'm going to ask that you, there are refreshments on the outside because we have a very important meeting on the state of the church today. And so we're going to give you just a 15 minute break to go out and to the restroom or to get a drink or get something 